the Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and your host, Ryan Dangle. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Report podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dangle, and I am joined by Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and Brendan Chagru. Boys, this was pretty rough. Uh, I don't want to say anything more than that, other than Logan's got some big news, which he will be sharing with us. He's moving. He's moving out to Los Angeles. Now, if he was going to be coming the other way, you know, he'd have to talk to my guy, Jeff Cadwallader at At Properties. Jeff knows you need experience when it matters most. Give my guy, Jeff, a call or a text message, 630-254-4734, or visit GenevaJeff.com to learn more about how Jeff Cadwallader can help you. Reach out to him. Amazing guy. Gotta love it. Absolutely fantastic. Hey, Logan, did you try to cut your own hair, bro? Yeah, you got something to say about it? Yeah, you know, I love you and everything, but I'm just thinking maybe next time, if you need a haircut, I think Ryan's got somebody that could probably do a better job than, I mean, you look great. You really do. You look great. It looks great for you. Uh, but, thank you, Jack. You don't have to do that. Me. Maybe we don't sugarcoat it. Maybe maybe we yeah, don't. Maybe next time, Ryan. Can you help him, Ryan? He needs some help. Logan, go visit my guy, Will, at Sheridan's Barbershop. Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois. They've been serving the community for 67 years. 67. With five barbers and open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, they've got appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or give them a call, 630-668-0137. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right, boys, this is going to be fun. We have a very special guest to join us. So we're going to do this a little different than usual. We're going to have a Browns fan break it down the game for us. And then we will, of course, go to Brendan's breakdown, which after a game like this, I think that might me might be the only thing that's going to make me happy after that game. So I can't wait for Brendan's breakdown. But before we do, Andrew, the Browns fan, welcome to the Bear Down Report podcast, man. We appreciate you. Can you break it down for us? Hey, yeah, thanks. I'm uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I have a chance to talk about a Browns W. Always fun to talk about a Browns W. I'm sorry it's at your expense, but I'm also really not that sorry, guys. Like yeah, you seem way too happy. You I'm, seem I'm way pretty, too happy. I'm pretty excited about it. If there was a single word I was going to throw out there, it would be excited. I'm sorry because our quarterback did what, uh, you know, well, I, you know, I'm sorry. I was about to brag about Baker, but I really, really shouldn't because he, he was fine. I think he was fine. He got a W. He got a W out there. But the two names, two names of the game for me, Kareem Hunt, Miles Garrett, done. Done and done. Miles Garrett probably snagged that MVP. Four and a half snacks. There's four and a half sacks. Snacks. 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 Snack. Well, he was yeah, eating them snacks. up. He was eating them up. Yeah. Four and a half sacks. Hold on. Just before, before you keep going, you you uh, just to like bring you back down to earth. You went zero and sixteen a couple of years ago. So I just and one and fifteen. That, we did. There we go. Brandon. We did. Thank it's you. really you. you know what one in thirty one and thirty one I believe was the was the record that we we should pay attention to, but uh, right now it's a Browns win. Browns win is a Browns win. A win what do you, what do you a, want a win me is to a say? win is a win is a win. What do you want me to say? Good for you. Good for you. I want you to say that Justin Fields did not look superb. Okay, we'll get into that. But I also <laughs> like, you know, there's reasons for that. 
Thank you, though, Andrew. No, glad to. Sorry, guys. Careful. I'm, look, I'm sorry. Careful. I'm sorry. It's it's tough. You know what? I'll tell you this. As a Browns fan, I'm not quite sure how to react to this season right now because do I play off the expectations? Do I let it say, like, hey, we're supposed to be good. I'm going to lean into that and then be a classic Browns fan and get my heart broken? Or do I just sit at the bottom and be like, you know what? We could, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. And then get blown away. I don't know. I don't know how to play it. And also, I'm not used to this trash talking thing. I'm not used to being able to talk on the top of the trash <laughs> talk. So forgive Fair. me if I if Fair. I try it out and I just fail because we don't know how to do that. That's not our thing. I was going to say, you are the kid that was bullied in high school and just, you know, was kind of a nerd. And now you had a glow up. You had a really good glow up. You're the hot guy now. And now you're coming back and saying, hey, remember me guys i'm the big bad guy now and hey props to you guys you know what the browns are a great football team i don't i don't hate the browns i think everybody's kind of like happy that they're successful but just not this weekend not at the expense of us no and cleveland isn't detroit so you guys got that. That's what I said there. earlier today. So I said we're not Detroit. Yeah, oh, that's... dude, I'm so glad you just quoted that. That is oh, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, in all seriousness, man, good luck to you guys. I think Baker. I think he he made a, a couple of really good plays. Obviously, your defense looks good, and so best of luck to you guys for the rest of the season, there, Andrew. Thank you, thank you. Go Browns. So, Brendan, that was Andrew's breakdown. We're all ready for Brendan's breakdown. Let's hear it, buddy. It was a business trip for the Chicago Bears this week as they traveled on the road to take on the Browns. Because as Jokey Noah once said, nobody goes on vacation to Cleveland. What, you think Cleveland is cool? But the Bears didn't get that memo because the offense decided to take the day off. After a promising start to the game where Cairo Santos remained just as hot as the capital in Egypt, the Bears jumped out to a 3-0 lead. But just like ancient Egypt, things collapsed pretty quickly after that. Justin Fields spent most of his time down on the field after getting sacked nine times. Somewhere Jake Cutler is saying, I know that feel, bro. Nothing went right for this offense as it seemed Matt Nagy was preparing for his new job at McDonald's instead of this game on Sunday. His game plan resulted in the same amount of yards as Happy Meal combinations. But up, 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 bears. But on the other side of the ball, the defense turned up the heat on Baker Mayfield, but it wasn't enough to stop him from baking a masterpiece. Austin, Mr. Hooper, found pay dirt on Sesame Street, while Kareem Ethan Hunt showed no mission was impossible, each scoring touchdowns to put the game out of reach. For once, the factory of sadness didn't apply to the Browns in Cleveland as the Bears lose 26-6, to dropping to 1-2. and two. Brendan, that was so good that we have to bring in a very special guest, man, it's two special guests in one podcast, but I know Brendan, how heartbroken you were when you weren't with us, when Patrick came on the show and guess what? We brought in our very good friend, friend of the pod, great guy, fantastic tweets, Patrick Sheldon. Welcome back to the bear down report podcast. Hey, what's going on everybody? Good evening. Sorry. It took me a minute to get in here. Was having some uh, technical difficulties here. How's All right. everybody doing? Well, we're better now that you're hanging out with us. That's for sure. Yeah, it's been a rough day. <laughs> so this is Brendan. It's I'm great so to see you, brother. To finally, get, I'm so happy to finally get to talk to you, bro. This has been a long time coming. 
So Patrick, we do have to make one introduction. Uh, Andrew, the Browns fan, is hanging out with us and apparently will be with us for the remainder of the podcast. He's staying. Yeah, I figured I'd hang out. But I'll tell him to shut up if he starts talking shit. Is he the one gloating? I can't. Is he the one gloating here down there? He is. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I take every chance I can. There's not a lot of opportunities for Browns fans to gloat. So yeah, I'm I'm going to take it. This is this is an epically big podcast with six dudes. Let's let's get it rock and rolling, uh, Patrick. Before we get into the game, because you know, as long as you want to hang out with us, we want to have you with us. But I gave you a very special mission this week, and I'm I'm wondering if you're able to complete that mission, and and get a hold of the peanut butter lovers peanut butter cups. This week was a mission failure. I was unable to locate the uh, all peanut butter peanut butter cups. Um, the public's by my house and not have them. And, uh, so I need to go, I need to expand my radius here and go outside of the 10 mile radius and, and look at other grocery stores, but I was not able to find them. Um, incredibly disappointed because they look amazing. It's a lot of peanut butter fantasticness. I was hoping this was going to be something else that we were going to argue about on this pod, but it doesn't look like that's <laughs> going to happen. So gentlemen, since we've got all of us here, let, let's hop into this game. We've got a lot of listener questions. Uh, we've got some really good listener questions. Um, Mike Gus, I can't wait to get to his listener question. I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter, but it was it was phenomenal. Before we do that, let's just hear general thoughts on this 26 to 6 loss to the Cleveland Browns, which, you know, Andrew, we already talked about this is that uh, I have to give credit where credit is due, but writing about it and talking about how good a Cleveland team this is right now is still a little a little off-putting for me. So, let's do this since Patrick is with us. We're going to go general thoughts. Just keep them nice and brief for us, boys. If you could, we're going to go Patrick, Brendan, Jack, and Logan. Yeah, I'm exhausted, man. Somebody said it last week on the pod. I can't remember if it was Brendan or Ryan, but just exhausted and frustrated at Nagy, uh, at at uh, Pace, and at the McCaskies. Just completely fed up. This was a complete failure from the game plan to the execution, coaching, players, at least on the offensive side, everything. I know we all want to like place blame on one person in one area. And I think if you want to say whose fault was it, the answer is yes, at least for the offense. (laughs) It was just a complete train wreck and one of the worst losses uh, I've experienced in many, many years, in my opinion. Feels like a bad dream. I mean, I think if I hear, well, the Bears defense is keeping them in it. You know, one more time, it's rinse, repeat. I mean, it makes me feel nauseous. And then, okay, let's throw up a graphic of all the Bears quarterbacks that have sucked over the – I mean, I, I just, again, very tired of it. Felt like a kick in the gut. It's it's hard to describe the disappointment. It's really disappointing. Um, I think what today proved was that Matt Nagy should have been fired a long time ago. I think that's my one thought. Um when you're watching the broadcast with about five minutes left in the game in the first half, I should say Justin Fields had one attempt. That's all you need to say. What, what, you know, what, where does that make sense? So fire Matt Nagy. I'm going to try to keep this quick. Uh, It looks like Nick Foles uh, was caught saying on the sideline, this offense just doesn't work. Uh, you know, you're, we're reading lips, but it sure looked pretty clear that that's what he was saying to Andy Dalton. Um, I think we all know that Nick Foles is not Matt Nagy's, uh, best friend, 
But I, I couldn't agree with you more, Logan. I'll say this again. Mitch Trubisky is not a Pro Bowl quarterback. He's not fantastic. But I still believe that with the right coaching, Brian Dable, that maybe this team could have won a few more games. Uh, Justin Fields, Jack, you talked about it a lot. I'm just, I'm so nervous with this guy running things, right? With this guy responsible for his his development. Matt Nagy's just, he's awful. So gentlemen, before you react to that, because there's a whole lot to say there, I'm going to throw in some, because we've got some phenomenal, phenomenal questions. And so I want to start with the first one asked by both Michael Knaus and Andrew Davies, essentially asking, why is Matt Nagy still part of this team? Do you see the Bears moving on from this? Let's go Patrick, Brendan, Jack, and Logan. Yeah, I mean, the answer has been the common denominator for the last four decades, and it's the incompetence of the McCaskies. If you want to know why the Bears continue to trot out terrible uh, GMs, terrible coaches, terrible personnel, it starts at the top. And until McCaskey and Ted Phillips are gone, um, you're going to continue to scratch your head at some of the decisions they make. But in in the real world, in reality, uh, no idea why why Matt Nagy still has a job. And candidly, if Ryan Pace, I tweeted this earlier, if Ryan Pace fancies his job, he'll fire Pace pretty or uh, fire Nagy pretty quickly because um, that may be the only way he saves his job. Matt Nagy is still employed because the Bears, as a mom and pop shop, they think he's a nice guy. He's really good to be around. He is. He's a nice guy. I like hearing him. Not all, you know, what not talking football stuff. He seems like a genuine good dude. And they'll fall back on the fact that he made the playoffs two of the last three years. But it's that is literally just the lowest bar to clear for them, knowing that their defense has kept them in it for so long. Their offense has consistently ranked in the bottom 20s, 25th or lower for most of the time. It's a matter of they think he's doing just good enough and they like keeping him around. I really don't know if he's going to lose his job in season. I know so many people are like, he's got to he's got to be the first one fired. I go back to the fact that the Bears don't fire coaches midseason, and I really don't know if they're going to break that tradition. Ryan Pace may not get the go-ahead from ownership, even though if this, uh, it, it's clearly probably not going to get better. So why delay the inevitable and get somebody else in there? But I just don't know if it actually happens. I thought he was going to get fired last year, and we're still here now in 2021. You think back to that end of the year press conference last year that was just a complete shit show and made the entire organization look like a joke. And so many good things happened, I think, in between that time, you know, in the beginning of this season. And because we're fans, we were pretty hopeful. We may have forgotten about some of that. But, Patrick, you nailed it. I mean, the organization is broke and it's been broke for a long, long time. Um, We're too loyal. Uh, We don't have the ability to treat it like a business. Uh, We have no type of like systematic approach when it comes to the draft or when it comes to free agency or when it comes to developing players. Uh, We, we don't have the ability to cast aside our loyalties for the best interest of the team uh, to put a winning uh, product out there. And it's maddening. It makes you feel a little bit like a fool sometimes because you, you go back and forth between like being, you know, a, a loyal fan and, and through thick and thin and, asking yourself, am I an idiot for spending my time on a beautiful Sunday afternoon watching this? Because if they're not going to make it a priority and, and shift something dramatically, then we, we, it's, it is Groundhog Day. It's a nightmarish like repeat of the same thing over and over again. And it, 
it is really very frustrating. Look, I'm sitting next to someone who is a lifelong Browns fan who is telling me right now that these conversations we're having are similar to the conversations that he's had over the last, I don't know, whatever you want to say, years, 20 years as a Browns fan. It's the same thing. So um, I, I know I'm not the only one who said at the end of last season to fire Matt Nagy, but fire Matt Nagy. Um, I don't know when the right time is to fire a coach when you have drafted a franchise quarterback, but it almost doesn't matter because you can, we can sit here and evaluate uh, Justin Fields play today. And we can talk all about the decisions that he made and um, what he did. But at the end of the day, almost all of the blame of this game and I take away the word almost all of the blame of this game for me is on Matt Nagy. It's on the head coach. Um, and that, that's, that, that's all it boils down to for me. The offensive line was really bad. I, no one is going to argue that. But I look at Kevin Stefanski, who I, I really looked at a lot when he was with the, the Minnesota Vikings. And the thing that I noticed the most today was his in-game adjustments, even within a drive. The Bears defensive line was giving really good pressure and it was really, really hard for uh, Baker to to find uh, lanes to throw and, you know, even time to throw. But he just said, hey, let's do quick shots. Let's do some screens. Let's do whatever it's going to take rolling pockets to make it move. And I literally just kept saying to myself, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't the bears doing this? Kevin Stefanski, like literally like in my, my quick hits that I wrote about in beardownreport.com, you guys can go check it out that I actually gave credit to him. Cause I think that's what we want Matt Nagy to be when the Chicago bears hired Mark Tressman over Bruce Arians. I think every single one of us knew that the dysfunction of this, this front office goes so deep. And when they hired Matt Nagy, because he was a clear communicator, I thought, all right, well, I'll give this guy a shot, but isn't that the dude that, that screwed up the the play calling in, in the playoffs for Kansas city. And yet he's still here. Maddening, maddening, maddening. We've got so many other good questions, boys. I want to make sure that we get to all of these. Um, Logan, you kind of alluded to it. So I want to come back right to you on this one. We'll go reverse order from this one. Uh, a friend of mine, friend of the pod, Levi and his wife, Molly from Clarksville, Tennessee, they were asking, does Justin Fields take any blame for this game? Yes, absolutely. Um to what degree of blame you want to place on him, I guess, is up to you. Um, I, I still, a lot of it I put on the coaching staff and scheming, but at the same time, the majority of the time when Justin Fields dropped back today, he was looking in one direction and that, <laughs> that was it. And again, you can place that on the fact that he really didn't have protection at the beginning of the game or at any part of the game. Um, so I'm sure that at some point to quote Sam Darnold, you are seeing ghosts, but uh, I am sure that he was. Um, but at, at some point you need protection. Jason Peters was a, a complete sieve today and he did not help anybody out at all. Um, but uh, at the same time, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't really making throws or making decisions that were impressive necessarily. So I don't, 
think that I was impressed by him. Do we need to panic? No, I don't think so. There's plenty of games to be played, plenty of experience to be had, but uh, he wasn't necessarily anything that I would call impressive today. Yeah, I would say, like I said earlier, it was a complete failure from the game plan and to the execution from pretty much all the players. And Justin Fields definitely falls into that category. I mean, he, to me, he held the ball quite a bit longer than he should have on many different plays. I know he was kind of scrambling for his life with that offensive line, just not being able to block anyone. I mean, nine times I'm getting flashbacks to that 2010 giants game where we just saw Cutler pasted on the floor and just seeing how inept that offensive line was, but still when he had time to throw, he was looking in one direction, as you said, Logan, even when they did finally roll him out to buy some time, he held onto the ball too long. I think there was that one play to Marquise Goodwin where he came back on that outside comeback route. He was open, but Justin Fields held the ball too long, kind of couldn't make that decision. And the defender, I think it was Newsom, was able to able to come back and deflect the pass. So there's, there's different examples there where he can do a, a bit better of making those quick decisions to get the ball out sooner. You started seeing that later in the game, but it was literally because he had to, as you said, because he was seeing ghosts because the offensive line was collapsing and the defense was all over the receivers. So part and the receivers too, there's some blame there because they were not getting any separation whatsoever. It's a talented Browns defense. So fields get some blame. I'm not concerned yet either because a lot of quarterback debuts, they're really not that great. You don't see good things from quarterbacks making their first starts. So, but you want to see that development go forward and have him not make the same mistake twice. I place very little blame on Justin Fields. First, he was facing a tenacious defense with an offensive line that isn't very good. That's one. Two, he's a rookie with limited reps in practice. Three, he's being guided by the village idiot. The the keys to the Porsche were given to the village idiot, a guy who has no equity, no resume when it comes to developing young quarterbacks. I was driving to work, in fact, uh, earlier this week, and and when I saw Ryan, I said, wait a minute, is Matt Nagy going to ruin Justin Fields too? Is he going to make him cautious and careful And this guy who exudes confidence, is he somehow going to lack confidence? Is Matt Nagy going to limit the playbook and put training wheels on Justin Fields? Is he going to inhibit him in every way? And the answer is yes, once again, because, and again, perhaps a fourth reason, because Cleveland knows it too, because Cleveland knows that our head coach is clueless and sackless and doesn't have any sense of taking risks or using this dynamic athlete in a way that could threaten them in any way. So then that adds to the defensive efficiency of, of Cleveland and makes his job that much harder. And then the worst part about it is, and why I personally didn't want to see him play early is now I think we're going to start to see these bad habits occur. Now we're going to start to see him like focusing on one receiver the entire time and not go through his reads. And I think what we will see if Matt Nagy stays and Justin Fields plays is a regression. And that breaks my heart. I hope I'm wrong. I totally hope I'm wrong. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, I almost put virtually no blame on Justin Fields. He was making his first start on the road against a tough defense 
And it was Nagy's job to develop a game plan that would put him in the best position to succeed. And I wrote earlier on Twitter earlier in the week, I had some confidence Nagy could develop a scheme and a game plan. I had very little confidence that he could adjust in game once that game plan went to hell in a handbasket. And that's exactly what happened, right? Uh, once the, the defensive front started getting a lot of pressure, you expected him to adjust and help his offensive line that was clearly overmatched. And he didn't do it. Uh, there were things you can do to help your offensive line. He didn't roll them out. He, there were no boots. There were no play actions. Um, he didn't move the pocket one bit and uh, instead dropped him back there and let him hang out in the pocket and get absolutely murdered. And I agree with you. My biggest fear, my biggest concern, and why I think they need to fire Matt Nagy by 6 a.m. tomorrow is that the longer you trot him out there with an incompetent head coach, putting him in bad situations, you're going to see what you saw through the end of the game. He's going to focus on one read. He's going to try to get the ball out uh, and and save himself. He's going to be in self-preservation mode and he's going to develop bad habits. And that's my biggest concern as well. Absolutely, Patrick. And just like that just makes me more annoyed because last year I feel like we saw these same things. I don't care who the quarterback is under center. You see the same things, Matt Nagy, no matter what the quarterback um, under center is, he's unable to make a change. You know, I, I understand when you go to halftime, you don't have a whole lot of time to actually make like a real life change, but in between weeks you do. And Matt Nagy has consistently time again, time and again, uh, shown an inability to at least pay attention to what the skill set of his quarterback is and what they do well, at least, you know, to a, a guy, an average Joe like me to watch a game like this and see what he's having Justin Fields do after having a little bit of time to assess what is going on by the defense. It just makes no sense. So that's why it's so frustrating because you look at the game and you're like, hey, even me, a guy who's not played football, I feel like I can look at this game and know there are small changes that can be made to this scheme. And again, I don't know everything. I don't know what's going on, but there are, there are things that can be done to change what's happening. I have a quick question. So earlier in the week, Matt Nagy said that Andy Dalton and Nick Foles were really talking up fields and working with them extra after practice and giving him so much advice. Do you think they're just saying, Hey, don't listen to what this guy's doing. Like any, everything he's telling you, just do the opposite and make sure that he doesn't get into your head because none of this is, this isn't how any of this is supposed to work. That is a phenomenal question. I don't remember who was talking about it, but uh, I think Jack, it was you saying last year that Nick Foles was screaming at Matt Nagy on the sidelines. Give me, give me a play call. Speed it up, man. Like this isn't working. You're taking too long. Like I know how an efficient offense runs and this isn't it. And so, you know, just to see that has, oh, dude, it just, everything that he does, it just, it, it frustrates me to, to absolutely no end. Well, so gentlemen, uh, we've got a, a slew of other questions uh, that are that are just so good here from some of our listeners. Scott Swartz, good friend of the pod. Scott, thank you so much. Gave us three questions. And normally I'm like, hey, I'm just going to get one. But all three of these are fantastic. So is there a coach out there that you guys would like to see as the Bears head coach next season? Um, I already know who my two answers are. There are two guys and two guys only. I think we might for the most part, be on the same page, but, but I want to hear, is there, are any of you guys, there anybody out there that isn't Brian Dable or Eric B Joe Brady. Tell me, tell me why, tell me more, Brandon. 
So Joe Brady, I mean, first of all, I didn't realize how young he was. I sort of had a little, you know, quarter life crisis when I realized he's two years older than me, but that's beside the point. He has done so much in his short amount of time as a coach, not only at LSU, but moving to the Panthers. You know who looks like a bona fide NFL quarterback now? The guy who was seeing ghosts with the New York Jets, Sam Darnold. Carolina Panthers are 3-0. and That offense looks good. And I know Christian McCaffrey is obviously out with an injury and things sort of changed after that in their uh, Thursday win. But still, Sam Darnold looks like a very good quarterback now. And I think Joe Brady deserves a lot of credit for that. I think he's a, a rising star. And I would say he is, like you said, with Eric Bieniemy and Brian Dable, he is on that tier where I would just want to hire him right away. Hey guys, has anyone thought about Urban Meyer being an NFL coach? Do you think that would work? I think we want to mention to all of our listeners <laughs> that Logan. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Served a few. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. I understand that he's the the uh, Jaguars coach. That that's uh, uh, maybe a, a talk about the fact that he's going to be the USC coach within like the next two weeks. But no, I, I that's just me admitting that I don't know who I would want to be the next Bears head coach because you shouldn't be thinking about these things in week three of the NFL season. So that's going to be my excuse. I shouldn't have to worry about this stuff. I should in the off season, when we were talking about it a couple months ago, talking about the fact that Matt Nagy should not be the head coach of this team. So that's me giving myself an out there. They're like, we shouldn't be talking about this. You know, it's just dumb. And I know we're just talking about, you know, I guess pie in the sky hopefulness here, but I mean, uh, back to reality again, Who's making this decision? <laughs> you know, if there's a switch and there's going to be a new head coach, who's making this decision? You know, if ifs and buts would candy and nuts, we'd all have a very good Christmas. And I would love to see either Brian Dable or I would love to see uh, Eric be enemy, the enemy, uh, be the head coach. Uh, that would be awesome. Let's go to Scott's next question. What's the most annoying Matt Nagy-ism? His was, it starts with me. Mine is, uh, we'll look at the tape. Gentlemen, let's, let's go around the horn. We're going to start, uh, Patrick, we're going to start with you. We're going to go Patrick, Brendan, Jack, and Logan. Gentlemen, feel free to, to reuse um, or just you know tack on wh- whatever you want there. So Patrick, let's hear it. it. It's understanding or figuring out the whys. And I heard that <laughs> so much in his post-game press conference. And the only why I want him to figure out is why the hell he's still the head coach of the Chicago bears. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, it's gotta be, it's on me and that's on me. And basically like, I'm not an idiot sort of deal. And I saw some writers and I think this is a great question for now because some writers have said like, I've never seen Matt Nagy this humbled before, but he is the king of just apologizing for the mistakes that he's made over and over and over again. And I think you can get away with that for your first year. But we're in year four. There's no excuses anymore. I'm hey, great that you're taking ownership and great that you're apologizing for things that you can control. But it's like, and oh, I'll also say, in addition to that, we have to get so and so more involved. We need we need to figure out why so and so is not more involved. You're the coach, man. Put a game plan and scheme together to actually get player X more involved. And maybe it's a guy you're paying so many millions of dollars to that isn't contributing at all. I don't know. But yeah, that frustrates me. It's like, hey, if only I can talk to that one guy who writes up the game plans and calls the plays. Oh, wait, that's me. 
I think similarly, he was asked in a press conference last week how much Justin Fields would be involved before they knew that Dalton was going to be hurt. And his answer was, who knows? And I was like, well, I, I feel like that's probably you. I think you should know how much Justin Fields would be involved. I'm going to steal from, and I think you guys probably saw that I retweeted it, uh, but I think uh, John Buffon nailed it. You know, he said, I'm pretty sure we can figure out the quote unquote why without quote going back and looking at the tape quote to figure out quote unquote where we're at probably had a good week of practice though. I mean, those are like, those are his standard go-tos, right? That mean, they mean nothing. And that, you know, all props to Patrick Sheldon and he's the king of, uh, you know, acknowledging the word salad that is Matt Nagy. So there's a long list to choose from without a doubt saying something without saying anything at all has really become his, uh, his niche. I just threw up a little in my mouth. Yeah. Similar to what people have said for me, it's just the inability to call guys out. Um, I know that sometimes doing that in the media as a head coach is probably not the best thing in the world. Um, but you look at guys like Bruce Arians the last like year or so he's called Tom Brady out publicly and if you're if you're willing to call Tom Brady out publicly, I'm pretty sure Matt Nagy can. Uh, um, how do I put this publicly? Like just uh, you know, find the courage to uh, to call somebody out. So, for instance, you know, it's not necessarily for this week, but Eddie Jackson after week one, him saying something after week one publicly about Eddie Jackson, I don't think would have been too out of line. So I think it's just the fact that he is unable to maybe go uh, to the media. And again, this is not something that's always necessary, but I think there are certain times where it is necessary to say, Hey, this X, Y, Z player really didn't play well. And he doesn't have to say it that way. He can say it in a coach speak way, but I think that really goes a long way in humbling certain guys. Again, I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but I think he does a really bad job of holding guys accountable and making sure that they know what is going on and that they know that, Hey, if you're not doing your job to like a certain degree, people are going to know about it. So that is among many things, the most frustrating thing that he does for me. This is going to bring back our favorite conversation. Patrick, you are perfectly suited to answer this question. Scott wants to know how many mega stuffed Oreos is acceptable to eat in one sitting? Uh, there is no, there is no number. Like that's, that's an individual um, number that you have to like get comfortable with. Um, I'm not one to cast aspersions on you for whatever that number is. That's like, that's, that's, that's personal. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw out a number. I I've, I've breached my own number many, many times. So uh, yeah, I'm not going to sit here in judgment of people who want to uh, stuff their mouth with double stuff Oreos of any variety. Um, but if it's not golden, you're wrong, uh, <laughs> but that's your choice. I will say, while I do like both and I've been very public about that, the mega stuff are only available in chocolate, I believe. So you will have to just go with the chocolate ones for mega stuff. And yeah, I agree with Patrick. It's de- It all depends on how you feel that day. You want to have two? Great. You want to have like the whole case? Fine. You know, like today would be a great day to just sit down, eat your feelings with a mega stuff Oreo and just go at it. 
Okay, well, we still have Andrew, the, the Browns fan, with us who has not yet weighed in on the Oreo debate. So, so Andrew, we got to know, do you have a preference? Well, actually, we should ask first because some people haven't had it. Have you tried the golden Oreo? That, that part is first and foremost. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Have I tried the golden? Yeah. I've okay, just, the- just making sure. And do you have a preference, chocolate or golden? Uh, chocolate. Okay. All right. Fair enough. There we go. So yeah, that's a quick answer. That's the only reason I'm friends with him. It's a quick yes. answer. Okay. And so then, so then Andrew, the Browns fan, uh, how many mega stuffed Oreos is acceptable for one, one sitting? Uh, four. Oh my <laughs> God. Are you kidding me? What? You know what? I wanted to pick a number and I picked a number. It, so it's, it's more it's, than four. It's, it's low, man. Is yeah, it low? Is yeah, it low? Yeah, is yeah, it low? Yeah, it's so yeah. low. What are you talking about? It's way more. Like this, this whole conversation is off the rails. Digits, maybe that's too many, but I, All right. I mean, it's they're double stuffs so and they might as well be eight Oreos. I just, it's yeah. Eight's kind of too low too. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I want to get to my absolute favorite question that has been asked of the pod at any point. And Mike Gus, who's getting a shout out for a special reason later, but he has to give another shout out for this question. If Twitter had just ran a poll before every snap with Madden plays and fans voted on them, would the Bears offense have put up 100 plus yards instead of whatever they put up today? Let's go Logan, Jack, Brendan, and finish up with Patrick. Um, I think my best answer to that is like, if you would have put, uh, you know, if you would have had me take eight shots of um, let's say fireball. And then you would have asked me every time after that, I would have run a better offense than what Matt Nagy ran today. I don't know. Does that make sense? It doesn't, but you know, I would have done it. So yes, my answer is yes. Honestly, I'm not sure. Like on a part of me, the part that is coached and wants to think pragmatically thinks that's a little ridiculous You've got to rep plays. You've got to do them in the show team or the scout team. You know, you have to see them a hundred times in practice. But the other part of me thinks that if you were to take like, so for instance, if we're running a scout team or now they call it a show team, trying to prepare our defense for the upcoming opponent, we would just take a, a, a card with the play drawn up and ask our own kids to run that play against our defense. So having said that, I think you could probably put up a card of whatever Madden play it was that was selected. And these guys, they've probably run it before, you know, so they would know the general scheme of these plays and they could probably pull it off. And if I'm going to put the number at 47 total yards for the game, I think probably that is a feasible thing that they could actually use Madden and get more than 47 yards. And that's bonkers. Just really quick, Brendan, before you go, the Bears averaged 1.1 yards per play. There's so many ways you can look at those numbers. Like, for example, Cairo Santos hit a 47-yard field goal for the first points. Like, And then the Bears totaled 47 yards for the rest of the, the, rest of the game. It's unbelievable. I mean, we're going to have a lot of fun, and it's sad, but we're going to have a lot of fun looking at those numbers and just seeing all the – different ways you can pull them out. So I have a clarification question for this. So is it you're pulling, like, let's say there's four answers, like somebody draws up four answers and then you're picking which one collectively. It's it's I'm guessing it would be like the, you know, you've got the option of picking your plays or asking what the coach is picking. So, I mean that, you know, that would be my guess. I, you know, like we're, we're picking from the coach's choice, like the three or four plays you've got to choose from. 
maybe. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll take that. So I, I would say, and I like Jack's answer, by the way, I thought that was very like, this is a fun question, but that was a really good, like in-depth answer. Thanks, Brennan. I, I would say yes, because I, I think we as fans, and this is very scary to say, but I, I think people would recognize the variety you need and kind of see what's happening on the field. And at least if there's an option, let's say there's there's a bubble screen or something when you know the offensive line is collapsing or obviously some people are going to want to take a shot downfield every single time. You can't do that, but good things could happen, whether it's a completed completed play or even just a penalty that results in the ball moving. So I don't know. It's very, very dangerous to say I have faith in Twitter to actually come up with good decisions and good plays. But after seeing this today, I would love to try it. I, I know there are some leagues that do have fan voting and fan polling to actually determine the plays. And why not? It can't be worse. It cannot be worse than 1.1 yard of play. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to 100% agree. And I'll tie it back into an earlier question because I didn't get to thread an answer on uh, my next head coach. But I tweeted out tonight, if a blind rhesus monkey just started randomly smashing buttons to call plays, he would be more successful than uh, Matt Nagy. So I think uh, whatever whatever mechanism you're going to use, other than Matt Nagy, as long as it's not Matt Nagy, uh, yeah, they would probably gain 100 yards. And I just want to quickly comment on um, something Logan said earlier, because I think it's remarkable that an outsider – uh, sees the, how little accountability there is within that locker room. And it's something that I've said for a while and uh, that, that somebody else can appreciate how little Matt Nagy holds anybody on this team accountable is remarkable to me. And I think you've seen it for years, whether it's Wims and Miller getting into a fight or them popping off at Twitter about the offense, or now you've got, you know, what I think Bill Lazor taking, you know, a couple of passive aggressive shots at him in a press conference or Marquise Goodwin calling uh, Goodwin calling into question the play calling. And, and now you have, um, you know, uh, Robert Quinn this evening saying, you know, making some comments that maybe uh, reveal some frustration he, Matt Nagy, I don't know, guys, I have no inside information. You all know that, but I just don't know how much longer he keeps this locker room together. Um, it seems like frustration starting to bubble over and uh, he may lose that locker room pretty quickly, but um, sorry, I know that was a little bit off topic, but I just wanted to, that was a great point, Logan. And it's, it's remarkable to see an outsider, see how little accountability there is in that locker room. Patrick, you, you brought it up. Robert Quinn had a heck of a good game. Uh, tonight i mean he 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 played it looked like he was in on almost every sack that was that was happening um and obviously with cleo mack going out for a little bit with that injury it was it was pretty awesome to see especially with how much money you're paying him uh we have a few other listener questions unfortunately we're not going to have the time for gentlemen we got to get to our goods and our bads of the game instead of doing them as two separate sections we're going to just do a quick good and a quick bad from each of you guys something that you thought was good with the game um which it's going to be a little harder to find but i think maybe you know we can we can find some things to like and then uh you're bad from the game good and bad from the game let's go jack brendan Patrick, Logan, and I will finish it up. Well, I think the defense was really good. I mean, I think those two instances early on where the Browns went for it on fourth down and the Bears stood up deep in their own territory, backs to the wall, and uh, and defended and uh, turned the ball over to the Bears was amazing. I mean, I think as we all know, there's too much reliance on the Bears defense, and, and they grow tired over time. Um, 
And that that's a problem clearly. Um, but I, I give them a lot of respect, especially after the way that they played in the first week, they've bounced back in a, in an incredible way, I think, in terms of the, their tenacity, their efforts, uh, you see way more flying around. Um, so that, that to me was a good, without like just absolutely pounding a dead horse. I don't even know. I mean, I, how about this? How about um, David Montgomery's carries? You know, I, I know, you know, Ryan Dangle, that that is something that you will be honed in on, but feed the guy the ball. I mean, he had a great run once again, his very first run. I think he popped off a 12 to 14 yard run. I'd like to say, you know, at some point there was just no more flow to the game. And so they are behind and they couldn't run it anymore, but I'm so confused by what type of flow or rhythm or game plan there is anyway. Why not just keep handing him the ball? He's a complete stud. So that was bad. More carries for Monty. I'll go a little off script for my good because I I feel like we all kind of have the same feelings with the defense. They were fantastic, especially in the first half. My good was Kyra Santos and Pat O'Donnell. I mean, Kyra Santos, again, two for two. He's It's so good that we have a kicker and now everything else goes to hell. But it's nice to see him continue to stay consistent. And then Pat O'Donnell had some awesome punts and he punted a lot. <laughs> so that's pretty much the best that you can that you can go with aside from the defensive front seven. But I think uh, we're all going to talk about that a little bit. And then my bad specifically was just the two tackles, Jason Peters, Jermaine Fetty. You know, they had so much praise over the last week or so after the Bengals game. Jason Peters in particular, we saw that one play where he just flattened the Bengals player and everybody's like, see, that's the that's the left tackle we've needed. He's he's great for this offensive line. And he just got turned around, outplayed, outmatched all damn day. And same with Jermaine Fetty. I mean, both of them were just absolutely brutal. Jermaine Fetty with yet another false start penalty. Those have got to go away. I, I mean, it's just unbelievable how, and I know that's that's clearly a case of how good the Browns defense was. We knew that coming in, but just to see those guys embarrassed play after play was, again, I got flashbacks to 2010 and I never want to go back to that Giants game, but we were here. And I, I, I'm sure they're going to have better days. They are going to have better days against more average defenses, but today was just absolutely awful for them. Yeah. So, so my good, I, the defense played phenomenal. So I'm going to focus in on the guy that runs the defense, right. And Sean Desai. And I know he took a lot of criticism after the first game. I even saw some crazy tweets uh, calling for his job after game one. Um, But he seems to be settling in pretty well to that role. And uh, I thought he called a great game today. I thought, you know, um, Baker Mayfield completing, what, 82% of his passes going into the game. I thought he did a great job designing a game plan to keep him in check, as well as uh, the dynamic running backs of Cleveland, um, you know, but for maybe some substandard tackling uh, by a few um, Bears defensive players that will go nameless. Uh, I thought he did a great job of of scheming um, for that offense. So, Shout out to, to Sean Desai. I thought he did a great job. My bad, and this is a tough one because part of it may be the play calling, and I'm, I'm totally 
I, I won't discount the fact that this is probably the play calling, but the wide receivers, I mean, absolutely zero separation all night, even when there were maybe opportunities uh, for Justin Fields to get rid of the ball without getting absolutely crushed by the defensive line. It didn't seem like there was anybody that had even an inch of space. So I don't know where he would have went with the ball had he had the time. Um, so my bad is the wide receiver core. And I will come back to, Mike Fury, who, in my opinion, has done absolutely zero in his time in Chicago developing anybody in that wide receiver core. All right. Before I go with my good and bad, I've had this Browns fan in my ear the entire goddamn night telling me how I should give more credit to the Browns. So I'm going to give him 15 seconds on the clock and I'm going to time it. And that time starts right now. All right. Cool. Thank Look. This is weird. It's weird to say. This is a weird thing for me to be able to say. But the fact is, the Browns are vying for an AFC championship, and you lost to them. And that's the fact. It's just don't be. I'm trying to give something back to you guys. He's done. He's done. He's done. He's done. He didn't even. He didn't even mention Miles Garrett's name one time, which is absolutely despicable. Um, But my good and bad. All right, my good is Robert Quinn, but specifically, no glove Robert Quinn. I think he's better when he doesn't wear gloves. I don't know why. Nobody can put numbers behind that. Akeem um, Hicks, same thing. Akeem Hicks did the same, same thing. That's what I mean. I think they might have gotten together. Akeem Hicks might have said something to him, but Robert Quinn is faster. He's just better. He can get to the quarterback quicker with no gloves. Um, that was my good. My bad is um, just the return game. It's just been so bad. Herbert Webster just like look like I'm, you know, uh, like I say with anything on this podcast, I'm not going to say that I can do better. Nobody can, but like g- figure something out m- more than like what we have right now. Well, maybe we were spoiled with Corderell Patterson last year, but um, what has happened so far this year and today, the return game has just been so bad. It's just disgusting. My good, no shockers here, Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson. The first half of this game, those guys were everywhere. And Jalen Johnson eventually did get beat by OBJ, which, I, you know, you got to give give him credit where credit is due. He's a second-year player playing against one of the more dynamic wide receivers in the game. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is a phenomenal guy, made a couple just unreal catches that you absolutely have to give him credit for. But I think Jalen Johnson, uh, Logan said it last week, is is a guy that people shouldn't be throwing at and I think is going to be a top 10 corner in this league when all is said and done. I think at the end, they just, they just got, they got tired. Um, here we go. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to put out my bad, uh, the Chicago bears as an organization for, from top to bottom, were just ugh, so bad. Um, but uh, I'm also going to go to Gronk. If I see one more of those USAA commercials, I'm special. I dude, it's like, I'm, I'm, I, I can't, I'm not, he's, he's a bad actor and he's got a somewhat punchable face. And I just, <laughs> but I'm special. You oh, caught me. Oh, yeah. Mom, where are my pants? I like where Rob Gronkowski so much. He might be, he might be a very nice guy and he might be very funny, but that commercial is awful. And I never want to see it ever, 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 ever again. All right, gentlemen, this may be really, really tricky this week, but we are going to give out game balls. Game balls are going to be going out. So let's go with Brendan, Logan, Jack, Patrick, and I will finish it up. 
<laughs> so andrew and i andrew the browns fan is next to me and uh he mentioned the the ref who called the pass interference that gave us a even slight chance in this game that's my game ball that's my game ball awesome. what was the score at that time it was, it was um, you had three points yeah we yeah i got roasted by one of our friends in a group chat saying that that was one of the best pass interference calls that he's ever seen. And I just, I'm like, I, what are we, were we watching the same thing? Oh, like, oh I, my God. That was, <laughs> oh, was that awful. was one of, that was one of the most absurd calls I've ever right. seen. And honestly, if that call isn't made, we, we lose that game by maybe like 40 points. Th- thank so you. There's, there's thank my thank game you to ball. both of you guys for that one. That's just a little redemption for me. Sorry, gentlemen. Let's keep it rolling. All right. It's been said. I'm just going to go with the low hanging fruit. It's Robert Quinn. I mean, good for him for being able to rebound after a horrible, horrible season in 2020. Maybe he really was that hurt because he's had a sack now, either half a sack or full sack in three straight games. He looks faster. Maybe Patrick, as we were talking, maybe we do need to go into glove gate. I mean, there were stats about the Mitch sleeve from like 2019. So maybe that needs to be a stat going, but Robert Quinn deserves my game ball. And uh, I'm sorry for all the mean things that I've said. I'm going with two game balls because that's what Ryan always does. I'm going to give a game ball to the dudes on the Brown sidelines, the officials and the guys that were holding the markers who were getting lit up by the bears you see Eddie Jackson like fighting with that dude, like 10 yards out of bounds. And then he like, just like absolutely lit up some old man wearing an NFL cap who was in charge of commercials. You go. Those guys were tough as nails. I was really <laughs> seriously impressed. The one guy, the one guy. Back. He's bleeding. He was, he's bleeding from his face. He's like, he's no, bleeding. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> right? That dude's, both of those dudes are tougher than Eddie Jackson. Both of them. Uh, and I guess to parlay off of that, I'll give my second game ball to the Bears defenders who didn't freaking give up. I think it's so obvious who continue, like the guys that play hard, uh, Roquan, uh, Akeem Hicks, uh, Mac, I'll even give it to Cleo Mac, uh, Robert Quinn. They are still full speed, sense of urgency. Even when the game is like lost and there's no chance of us to win, you see that. And again, I, I think if you hone in on Eddie Jackson again this week, you would see his fake playing a little late to the ball. Oh, I'm getting blocked by this tight end. I mean, he just, you, it, it makes it so obvious when you juxtapose those guys plays the, the game ball guys that I'm talking about who care and still play hard. And you juxtapose them with the guys who just clearly are, I don't know, they're in the Matt Nagy school of football or something. Um, so somehow I give out a mad game ball to guys that did good, but anyway, uh, I'm done. I'm going to give my game ball to a group that similarly persevered, didn't give up, and uh, endured one hell of a game, and that is the Chicago Bears fans. Uh, you've done it for a number of years. You continue to do it. I know you all will be on Twitter this week uh, continuing to support this team, and I will be guilty of that as well. Um, Lord knows why sometimes because they don't make it easy for us, but uh, shout out to the fans. Uh, who continue to stay optimistic. I know it's tough at times, and I'm guilty of, of throwing on my uh, pessimistic hat at times. But, um, you know, what else can you do, I guess? Just got to ride it out, and uh, maybe we'll have a new coach in 2022, if not sooner. You know, and before Ryan jumps in here, 
I got to say, we are playing the Lions this week. In a week from now, we are probably going to be in a much different spot and say, hey, maybe this team's not so bad because the Lions. Did anybody see the end of that Ravens-Lions game today where Justin Tucker hits a 66-yarder? It bounces in off the crossbar. What's that like to to doink (laughs) in? I I don't know. (laughs) But to be honest, and I know I feel I shouldn't say this after the Bears went, the Bears lost. That made me feel a little better. That was hilarious. Does anybody feel good about that game, though? Does anybody think we've got a good shot at winning? Against the Lions? They looked pretty good. I mean, they look better than... They've been been competitive. They've been competitive in every game. That's why everyone going into the season was talking about, like, obviously the Lions aren't good, but people are talking about the Lions having the number one pick this next year, and I just I don't see that. Texans are guaranteed that, which Jack... Already not looking good there for your bet, but you know we're we're There's early. A lot of games we're, left. We're early. I know that. Are we forgetting about the Jets? The Texans. Are, I mean, honestly, sure. they they look. I mean, like they're competitive, more competitive than than we thought they were but, going to be. But Davis Mills, I don't think he's going to be as uh, you know. Wow, that is a neck. Good Brandon Cooks. Rod though, Taylor. Brandon Cooks okay. So All right. Do, can I give out my game ball? Is that okay? Is you guys mind if I, I do give that? two? You are allowed. You are allowed. You, you are allowed. If, if I do that, you're not going to like this. But uh, Andrew, the Browns fan, is going to love this. No one ever said we can't give a game ball out to a player on another team or a coach on another team. I'm giving it Kevin Stefanski. I was amazed at his adjustments as the game went on. Uh, his defense was rolling all over the place. I just, he, he has taken the players that he has and he has built an offense around these players. And that's what good coaches do. I said it before, I, I liked him and when he was with the Vikings. I thought, man, if we could get this style of offense, uh, a little bit when Bill Lazor was here at the end of last year calling plays, we did get a little bit of that style of offense. And I have to give credit where credit is due. His team was more prepared. They were they're a, a, a better team. And again, his in-game adjustments. I'm talking about from drive to drive to drive, right? You could just see like, it's like, hey, this isn't working. Let me try this. This isn't working. Let me try this. And moving around, I my hat's off to him. Much better coach than, than what we have here in Chicago. Let me play uh, Chachi Twitter guy. Are you even a Bears fan, Ryan? Are you yes. a Packers fan, bro? Look at you pandering to the Browns fans. What kind of fan are you? Yeah, I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna get more people hating me on Twitter than 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 in a normal week, which it's a lot. So I'm I'm ready for I it. I think but I gained disgusting. followers and you lost followers this week. I won't hate disgusting. you. Disgusting. No, I'm gonna mute myself so Andrew can't talk. I uh I, seriously, I, I I posted something about how I want the Bears to move to Arlington Heights. I think, you know, we have a better stadium, roof over the head. And I mean, some of the things that were, I mean, like people taking personal shots, um, things that I can't repeat on this podcast. And I lost like four followers because I said I made an opinion. So, hey, that's, hey, whatever. Let's, let's, let's move on. Um, all right, gentlemen, uh, we got to get to a quick version of Logan's bets before we get to uh shout outs to get out of here for this evening. All right. So the past few weeks, I know we've been going with futures bets um, tonight or in the morning. If you're listening to this morning, we're going to go with a Monday night football bet and we're going to go with the Cowboys minus three and a half at home because 
why should I believe that much in the Philadelphia Eagles? And uh, as we're talking about betting, one thing that I will say is that when you see those numbers like three and a half, when you see numbers like seven and a half, think twice about them because you want a team that, you know, going into a game, if you see six and a half, that's good. You don't want to be on, on that seven and a half side generally because, you know, you guys are all smart people out there who are listening to this podcast. Games are generally decided by seven or three points. So whenever you are making a bet, think about that fact. So while I'm telling you to take the Cowboys minus three and a half, if you don't love the Cowboys tomorrow night, think about that fact that this could be a close game and this could be a game that is decided by a field goal because in this game, you know, the Cowboys could win by three points. So while I say this, I like the Cowboys by more than a field goal. Um, that would be, I think my bigger point of this whole spiel is the fact that think about those, those are big lines right there is the six and a half to seven and a half point lines. If you can get it at seven or, or larger when you are taking a underdog, that is what you want. Um, but yeah, again, Monday Night Football, that's what I like. Think about those half points because while a half point doesn't seem like much, it uh, it can really come into play when it comes to betting. Gentlemen, it's time to get out of here. We are going to give shout outs. So we are going to uh, first our very special guests of Patrick Sheldon and Andrew, the Browns fan. Uh, why don't you guys give out your shout outs first and then we will go Brendan, Jack, Logan, and I will finish it up. All right, I'm going to give my shout out to Jason Leisure of the Chicago Sun-Times for continuing to hold uh, Matt Nagy and this organization accountable. Um, it is not often you see folks that are willing to ask those tough questions and be persistent. And uh, I know he takes a lot of grief on Twitter. Sometimes folks think he's being um, overly critical of the team, but I think he does a great job of really holding their feet to the fire. And please continue to do it, Jason, because that's the only way we're going to get some progress and some answers out of this organization. So shout out to Jason Leisure of the Chicago Sun-Times. Cool. I get to, I love, I love the shout outs here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to shout out my dad. Is that cheesy? I think it's okay. Hey, hey dad, uh, Brown's W. Let's let's we'll high five over over the air for it. Uh, yeah, that's that's the shout out there. There you go, Dad. All right, my two quick shout outs here. Uh, first one goes out to my really close friend Tyler Tosh. He has started listening over the last few weeks, and he's just been telling me so much how he, how much he enjoys the show, how much he enjoys everybody on the show. He he gave me a comment that said he feels like he's just in the corner listening to all four of us just talk about football. And he's like, it's really insightful. Everybody's got great different opinions. So shout out to my guy, Tyler Tosh. He's not on Twitter, but he listens every week and he's got great feedback on it. So thank you. And then another shout out to Tommy Harris, who just followed me on Twitter while we were recording. So that was kind of cool. Wow. Uh, but also he's uh, promoting a new book, um, Endure, about just his life. Um, started to kind of like get some insight into it. And if you know anything about Tommy Harris, not only just how much of a dominant force he was for the bears, but just his personal losses over the last 10 years or so, he, he's got just such a heartbreaking journey, but just the way he's been able to overcome that, I think is phenomenal. So uh, appreciate the shout out from Tommy Harris. And I'm really looking forward to checking out his book at some point. 
my shout out goes out to any of you out there who are still supporting Matt Nagy. Um, I care about you. I want you to be okay. I want you to know that. Like I, I care about your mental health and I care about your physical health. I care everything about you. Um, please come in my DMS. If you'd like to BDR Bradley one, I want you to be okay. And, um, that's it. Patrick even got into it a little bit today with, uh, someone who's still supporting Matt Nagy. And I just, I, Hey, I'm not going to, we're not going to name names. We're not, we're not putting anybody down. I mean, it's just, Hey, look, this is a safe space. The bear down report podcast is a place that does not judge. They judge a little bit. Um, but we, we care, we care, you know? You're good enough. You're smart enough. Gosh, darn it. People like you. You deserve more. <laughs> oh, you've been We're like scarred. a support group. We're like a support as a Bears fan. Right. You deserve better. <laughs> uh, that's hard to follow. I, I tried to give a shout out last week, but when I talk about my kids, I become like, uh, like, uh, like soft baby poo in a diaper. And I just get like super like emotional and like sad. So I'm just like, I know what that's all about right now. Yeah, you do very. That's why I use that specifically. So I'm going to ask uh, my good friend, uh, Ryan Dingle to read my shout out today, please. So Jack's son, Connor, amazing kid. Connor, if you're listening, he's just, he's just like an old soul. He's just, he's awesome. He talks sports. He can talk life. He is, he is fantastic. I'm, I'm a huge Connor fan. Um, so Connor, shout out to you, buddy. Um, so he was born with a cleft lip uh, and palate, and he'd like to throw out a shout out to Shriners Hospitals for children and specifically Connor's fundraising efforts at ShrinerKids.com. Shriners provided Connor with every surgery and service he needed since birth, free of charge. To give back, Connor uh, serves as a national ambassador for Shriners. You may actually have seen him on TV, commercials. It, it, it's incredible. So go to ShrinerKids.com uh, to help give Connor uh, back to Shriners community. Shriners has done so much for Connor and so immensely grateful. And uh, yeah, just a huge shout out to them just for all they've done for, for Connor, all they've done for Jack. Huge shout out there, man. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Go Connor, go Shriners Hospital. I've got a couple to give Uh, first Patrick Sheldon for stepping in um, and, and being a part of the podcast, Uh, man, this is, we just, we love having you in dude. It's been fantastic. Andrew, the Browns fan. um, I'm hoping um, seriously, man, I'm, I'm, I'm cheering for the Browns whenever they're not playing the bears. I, I, there's something about it. I went to Cleveland um, just a little over a year ago with my wife. We had a phenomenal, phenomenal time. And I know people dog on Cleveland all the time, but I think we know a little bit of how you guys feel that, you know, the dysfunction, all that other stuff. So shout out to you. Um, Peggy Kaczynski, who followed me on Twitter. Thank you to you. And the last one, and this one is the most important one, Mike Gus, uh, who is a friend of the pod. And he uh, gave us that fantastic question. Um, His wife gave birth to their son significantly earlier than, than they were planning to. And, uh, you know, just, he, he posted a picture being next to his son for the game and all that stuff. And Hey dude, you know, just football is a game and and life is so much more important. And we truly, we are sending as much love uh, that we possibly can from, from the bear down report. And Mike is, he's been on the show twice. He's a phenomenal guy. He's got phenomenal insight. Um, but, but truly dude, like we're, we're sending all the love that we possibly can to you and and your family right now. Um, for all of you who are listening, 
Thank you so very much. We we appreciate you guys. We know that you can get your uh, Bears content anywhere, and you've chosen to listen to this podcast. You've chosen to go to BearDownReport.com, and we just we can't we can't say it enough. Thank you. It just it means so very much to us uh, that you've given us this this opportunity to have this platform. If you like what you hear please hit subscribe. If you really like what you hear, hit us with a five-star review. It really helps to widen our audience. For all of us at the Bear Down Report, thank you so much, folks. And as always, bear down.